All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. On today's episode, going to go ahead and recap the Warriors versus Spurs game from last week that I went to in Texas, which was awesome. And then going to go ahead and go over the NBA futures from the beginning of the season, kind of give an update on where we're at now. Jam packed episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. You know, the one thing that I really thought I would be able to do was be on here consistently and give you guys an episode every single week. And honestly, I have just not been able to. Life has been extremely busy uh, the last few weeks. It's kind of been up and down. Actually, it's all it's all been up, but my schedule has been up and down and all over the place. And, and finding the time to go ahead and sit down and record this on a weekly basis has actually been more challenging than I expected it to be, but you know, that's life, right? I'm a one-man mission, and while I'm still watching a lot of basketball, looking at the scores, making plays, finding that consistency has been really tough, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I brought in with me to 2023 is just trying to find a way to become more consistent, right? So I did an episode two weeks ago. I did miss last week. I was doing a bit of traveling, kind of getting ready for that. I just couldn't squeeze it in before I went and took my trip. And then uh, this week, same thing. had a birthday celebration, my own, that I had to obviously partake in. And, you know, couldn't find the time to record until now it is 5.15 on Thursday. Normally I get these out on Wednesdays because I work from home and don't have so much going on. Um, so I'm a day late, dollar short, really a week late. Uh, but uh, moving forward, I am going to try and be more consistent bringing you this content. Um, I was also sick in the middle of that as well. Sick, traveling, um, but you're probably sick of the excuses and just want some consistency, and don't we all? So hopefully from here to the end of the season, we should have a nice clear run. I feel like an airline pilot right now. It's like, you know, folks, we hit some turbulence there, but uh, if you could just sit down and buckle up your seats, we should have a nice smooth ride all the way back in uh, Los Angeles, LAX. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the turbulence is behind us, and we're probably going to have nice smooth sailing all the way to the end of the season. We do got a built-in break with the All-Star game in there coming up. We're about a month away. That's actually pretty nice timing. Um, so if I can just string together a few good episodes here, uh, we should be in the clear, get a nice break, and then have a nice run through you know mid-April when the season ends. But um, the basketball itself has been you know spectacular. We've had a ton of performances. It's funny I came on last time and, and did a whole thing about scoring, and then the next day it seemed like every single under hit, whether it was player props or actual team unders, things like that. And it was like they got a message because uh, everybody was talking about scoring. You know, everybody was like, oh, scoring's up, scoring's up. And then sure enough, lo and behold, they had a day where they just decided, yo, we're not going to score that much, um, which was crazy. And circling back to what's been happening these last few weeks, um, you know, the NBA has been kind of formulating into what it will be at the end of the season, you know, the the cream is rising to the top and the, the worst teams are starting to turn their tank mode on. You know, a couple of surprises, the Western Conference, teams near the bottom, the Suns, you know, and nobody really expected the Lakers to be, you know, third in the West from the bottom. Um, 
but those two, you definitely thought they would be higher. Same with the Warriors and the Clippers. Definitely thought they they would be higher. Thought the Kings would be lower. Um, but everybody else is about where we thought they would be in the West. I think the only other main surprise was the Utah Jazz, right? So would have expected the Kings and the Jazz to be way lower and would have expected the Suns and even the Lakers to be way higher. The Eastern Conference is shaping up to be a little bit more like we thought it was. You know, Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly at the top, Cleveland up there, Miami. You know, maybe you could make the case that the Chicago Bulls should have been doing a lot better this whole time and been a lot higher, but they just haven't been. Um, and then, you know, the the playing game is basically what we thought it was going to be. Knicks, Hawks, Pacers, and Raptors on the outside looking in. You know, the bottom teams are the ones that did not get mentioned in that little run, and then they were in the bottom as they should be. Um, but we got a lot of basketball left. I don't think teams have fully turned on their tank mode 100% because – it's a little early. You know, we still have the trade deadline. Teams are basically going to be vying over the next three weeks to boost the value of their players and make some deals. So we do have that coming up. I think the exact trade deadline is February 9th this year, um, which puts it smack dab right before we do an episode like this every single time. So it's actually Thursday, February 10th. So um, it's actually right after we do the episode. So that'll you know, I'm sure a lot of deals will come in leading up. And then, of course, it'll be deal again in that Thursday, February 10th, which is only a few weeks away um, from now. So we got kind of sprint of, of sports here. We've got this weekend. Of course, we have the NFL playoffs in the divisional round, followed by the, you know, respective conference championships the following week. And then basically take a breather. And then the same week as the Super Bowl, we have... Um, the NBA trade deadline. So lots of fake trades and trade value posts and who could potentially make moves here and there going to be coming up. We don't do that here on the showcase. You already know that if you've been a loyal listener. Um, but uh, definitely going to be recapping the impact of those trades leading up in the next you know four weeks from today, really three weeks from today. Um, so that all to look forward wanted to quickly just talk about the game that i went to this past friday and something about any time i go to a warriors game they must know that i'm coming because they actually show out um or they absolutely show out and the game against the spurs was phenomenal um you know the previous friday so we did go to the alamo dome it was myself my wife and her brother and uh, walked straight in, you know, it was a breeze getting in. We didn't have to have a parking situation just because the place we were staying was so close to the Alamo Dome. But, um, you know, breeze straight in, weren't really long lines anywhere, had phenomenal seats, sight lines were amazing. Um, and the game itself was awesome. Uh, you know, even though the final score was 144-113, the pace of the game was just awesome. And, of course, sight lines were close close enough so that we could really just enjoy the game itself um so as we were watching you know of course the Warriors started pulling away it was a little bit closer in the first half I would have been very sad if the Warriors had found a way to lose that game um but they didn't they showed out they hit a bunch of threes at the end it seemed like they really couldn't miss um and just really put on a show which was really fun for myself, had a bunch of Dos Equis, 
and watched the game, started chirping at some some fans that were next to us um, who got real quiet as the game progressed because we absolutely mollywopped them. Um, but the Alamo Dome, you know, it did have its flaws for sure. Obviously, when you're trying to break the NBA attendance record, you're going to have a lot of sight lines that weren't exactly favorable to the um, to the average person. So they had like two groups of standing room on either end, and they were just like basically just there to like party in a crowd. I don't even think they could see the court. Maybe they could see the Jumbotron. Um, so shout out them for even coming. But then, uh, you know, the game itself, you know, the Warriors were up five after the first quarter, and the fans were getting rowdy. But then at about halftime, they were up 14, and uh, you could definitely tell people started to lose interest a little bit. And then, of course, the third quarter only made the lead even larger. But the fourth quarter itself was highly competitive. So, honestly, if you just turned off the score, you would have thought by the fourth quarter it was, you know, very, very close as the teams were going back and forth. Um, but that many people in a stadium, you know, it was loud. It was rocking. Um, obviously, the people like myself who, who paid for the better seats are going to be more into the game. And I think my biggest takeaway from the game itself, which I was actually surprised about, everybody on the Warriors, you know, played to expectations and we had fun and everything like that. But I did actually grow to like Jeremy Sokan a lot more. I don't know if it's just the rainbow dyed hair or whatever, or just seeing the Spurs fan around. But uh, <laughs> I actually like how the kid plays the hustle the effort and everything like that. And, you know, maybe it's a, just a development of, you know, Coach Pop and the system or whatever, but uh, was really impressed with the play that, you know, Jeremy Sokin displayed um, that night, even though, you know, he didn't really have like a box score breaking type of night and the uh, the game was a blowout. Um, I found an appreciation for Jeremy. So shout out him. Nice, nice young guy. Um you know, I think he had he only had four points that night, but he had eight boards. Um, he he was two of nine, which is pretty bad. But I had more respect for what he was doing on the defensive end in the 24 minutes that he played in the game. Um, but obviously, it wouldn't be a blowout if a couple of players didn't miss as much. So it was really, really fun. Shout out the Alamo Dome for doing that. Shout out Tag Team for doing the halftime show and not only doing Whoop There It Is, but they did Scoop There It Is. Um, so they did their whole Whoop There It Is song and everybody's like, Whoop There It Is, having fun and everything. It ends. They do another song, and, which I don't even remember. I wasn't familiar with it. But then they finished their set with Scoop There It Is. They were like, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. And everybody was going nuts, man. That was just awesome. Um, you know, and they had David Robinson come out and do a little, you know, rah, rah, go Spurs go, which was cool to see the Admiral, uh, in person and live and kicking and stuff like that. I'm sure it was a great moment for him to kind of like relive the old Spurs memories from way back when, but, uh, overall a great experience, man. I love, I love going to basketball games. I love seeing new stadiums new to me, but old. I know the Spurs don't necessarily play at the Alamo dome anymore, but it was cool to kind of like relive an experience that was kind of doesn't happen anymore right and i know they don't fill out the alamo dome <clears throat> every single time that they play there or played there back in the day um but it was just still a cool vibe to see everything so i very much liked san antonio and um 
you know, I will be watching Jeremy Soka and what he does in the future. It's, it reminds me, reminded me of Jordan Poole. Like, Jordan Poole's first year, he was, like, showing a lot of effort, getting to a lot of good spots, but he would just miss. He would just miss. And, uh, you know, that can be fixed and developed, right? Like, getting to the right spot, showing hustle, showing effort, can't really teach that. You can develop, you can work on your shooting and become a more, you know, prolific shooter, even if, you know, obviously Shaq can't become Steph Curry, but you can definitely get better. But part of shots going in is generally just getting to your spot um, and giving yourself a, a good chance. And, and Jeremy Chokan was doing that. So shout out him. Keep him on your radar. Um, so now let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and recap the futures I gave out at the beginning of the season. All right, so we do have some that we're doing well on and others that we need a lot of help. Uh, so I just want to go over these really quickly. So the five team over-unders that I gave out were the Warriors over 52.5, Nuggets over 50.5, Blazers under 39.5, Kings over 33.5, and, and Pelicans over 44.5 wins, like win totals, right? The Warriors, that's going to be pretty tough, man. They, they're they're 52.5 wins meaning they need 53. I think I was a little bit off the championship high, and they've really struggled this season. They're going to have to go 31-7 and seven the rest of the way there to, to finish off. And unless they have just a crazy, crazy run, I, I sincerely doubt they're going to go 31-7 and seven to finish off because that's like an all-time back half of the season. I just don't think they get there. Uh, so unfortunately, I think we're going to miss on that one. The other one... That's the only one, though, that I think that we're, we're really going to miss on. So for the Nuggets and the Pelicans, they're both in a situation to get to their win totals that we need, 51 for the Nuggets and 45 for the Pelicans. Both teams just need to stay one game above 500 at 19 and 18. Uh, for the Nuggets, that should be really easy for them to stay above 500 as long as nobody gets injured. Jokic is really durable. He's only missed like eight or nine games over the last three years so you know he'll be there so as long as the rest of the team stays healthy they should have no problem staying over 500 to finish off with like win somewhere in the mid 50s they could probably even be a 60 win team you know if they go like 25 and whatever you know 28 and 10 instead of 19 and 18 uh, the pelicans they're getting bi and zion back eventually so you know them going just above 500 might be a little tougher, um, but I think they can definitely do it as well. They got the core. They got the coaching. Um, they definitely have the ability to go ahead and finish off the season above 500. Um, the Blazers can go no better than 18 and 21. I think they turn the tank on once we get past trade deadline. Like They're not a team that's really built for a deep championship run, and it's a shame for Damian Lillard, but you know, for them to go, you know, above 500 i think it's going to be pretty tough for the blazers i haven't looked at the strength of schedule for them but just given the the makeup of the blazers you know i don't think they they win you know 19 of their last 39 games i just don't think they do it um and the one that's absolutely a lock is the kings over 33 and a half wins i mean they only need nine uh 
they can go nine and 30 the rest of the season and still hit this over. Um, you know, it's funny last year, something similar happened with the wizards and then they just completely fell off the rails and it came down to the last game. I hope the Kings don't only win, you know, eight more games for the rest of the season. Cause that would mean that they also miss the playoffs and we would lose our plus four thirty pick from earlier in the season. But Kings over 33 and a half was an absolute lock from the season, uh, which was great. So, you know, we'll cash that. We'll cash the Kings making playoffs if everything holds as it is right now. Um, and that'll make up for some of these losses that we have, like on the Warriors. You know, they're not going to get to 53 wins. That's just quite a stretch for them. Switching over to the individual awards that we gave out. Harden most assists per game at plus 200. Here's the thing. You need to play at least 70% of your games to qualify for this award. And currently, James Harden does not qualify because he's only played for 29 out of 44 games. He's missed about three games too many to qualify for this award. But if he did qualify, he's at 11.1 assists per game, uh, which is the leader. And the person behind him, at number two is Tyrese Halliburton at 10.2. So he's got a full assist per game lead, but just does not qualify because of missing too many games. So we need him to get to at least 58 games played, which would be 29 of the remaining 38 games we need him to play. So hopefully he doesn't miss more than nine games. He's had quite a bit of an injury bug the last few years. Um, but, you know, Joel Embiid needs him. The Sixers need him. So hopefully he doesn't miss too many more games or load manage his way out of winning this because it's it's his to win. Um, the next individual award was Rookie of the Year. Keegan Murray, man, we knew he was a long shot. And Paolo is just absolutely crushing this year. Paolo just looks like a, a multi-year vet. And with the Magic Team roster, if nothing like eat like literally there's no way Palo Bancaro loses rookie of the year um so that was just throwing away money unfortunately on Keegan Murray so we knew he was a long shot he's also just not getting the minutes at all I think the only other threat to Palo winning would be Ben Matherin uh and there's just such a far gap between the two that it really doesn't even matter uh Keegan Murray that one's dead Moving on, the last individual awards was MVP. We gave out Joel Embiid at plus 540, and we gave Giannis out at plus 570. I'm going to do a whole episode on this next week, um, you know, and talk about Luka and Tatum and Joker and, you know, do the full points breakdown. Uh, but I just have to say these, these are probably likely dead too. So, unfortunately, you know, these four individual awards, you know, unless Harden becomes, you know, who he hasn't been and, and plays the rest of his games this year he might go over four, um, which is tough, which is tough, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, okay. Switching gears. Now the division champions warriors to win the division Sixers to win the division and Pelicans to win the division. When I gave them out, the warriors were plus 200. They're currently plus 190 and the favorite, um, which is nice. Right, they're they're saying that they'll outplay the Kings for the rest of the season. The Kings are the second favorite as it currently stands at plus two hundred as well. So you could take them and just have like these two in your back pocket. I don't think the Clippers at plus four twenty five 
the Suns or the Lakers will have that much better of a second half of a season than the Kings or the Warriors to kind of steal the division champion. I mean, crazier things have happened, though. If you look at the standings, they're all really close to each other. Um, You know, the Lakers are in the back of the division, and they're six games back. You know, the Kings have a a three-and-a-half game lead over the Warriors, and then they're half a game in front of the Clippers. The Suns are half a game behind them. So, you know, the Kings aren't uncatchable at three-and-a-half games ahead. You know, 25 and 18 versus 22 and 22. The Clippers are 23 and 24. Um, you know, the Clippers could catch them. I think if I didn't have this Warriors ticket open, maybe I would take a flyer on the Clippers um, and just hope that as the season progresses, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and John Wall all miss less and less time. Um, but that proves, you know, to be probably the opposite um, than what it will be. So I like Warriors at plus 200 as opposed to Warriors at, you know, plus 190 right now. So if you wanted to hop on Warriors right now, it's plus 190 instead of plus 200. I'm not mad at, at joining the party late. Um, you know, probably the Kings odds will go down as the season progresses, especially if they keep the play up. So um, keep that in mind. Moving on to the Sixers. The Sixers are now plus 1,000. Uh, the Celtics are just having that we made the finals and now you know we mean business type of season sixers are only four and a half games back though of the celtics i think the the celtics roster is just obviously a lot better you know with talent spread throughout than the sixers sixers are really dependent on basically joel Embiid and james harden both being there we just talked about james harden missing a bunch of games joel Embiid has missed a bunch of games too um so you know at four and a half games back it's going to be tough for the Sixers to catch them which really did the Sixers in was just the abysmal start that they have I think they were like one in four one in five at some point earlier in the season and if they had just even gone 500 they would probably only be two games back um so if I like them at you know plus whatever they were before plus 300 I love them at plus 1000 I just don't think I'm going to throw my money after them um, with the Celtics playing the way that they're playing under Joe Mazzula and just playing good basketball. Um, you know, the Celtics play the Warriors, you know, as we're recording this, and that one's probably going to come down to the wire and be a very good game. Um, but if the Celtics win, then they move even further ahead, and it'll be a lot of work for the Sixers to catch them. So at plus 1,000, I don't really want to double down because basically I'd be doubling down on Joel Embiid and James Harden. I just don't want to do that. Um so I think it's a waste. Then the last division winner we gave out was the Pelicans. Pelicans are in a situation similar to the Sixers, about five, five and a half games back of the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies are in the same situation as the Celtics, man. This Grizzlies team looks very good. Uh, I think they're currently on a 10-game win streak, just going absolutely nuts. John Morant's playing at a high level. Desmond Bain is playing at a high level. The rest of the team is following suit. Um you know, the Pelicans have had some injury issues, which I think has, has had them drop a few games. Um, you know, I don't think they've been playing very well lately. So, unfortunately, you know, they, while the Grizzlies have won 10 straight, the Pelicans have gone 3-7. and seven. Um, So, I don't think they're going to catch them. They're five and a half games back, and, and the Grizzlies show no signs of really slowing down. 
So, um, again, same situation. You could double down on the Pelicans at plus 500. But without a major injury to jaw or something like that, minus 600 for the Grizzlies is the current take. And I don't think... I would. I obviously wouldn't bet on the Grizzlies, but it's going to be hard for any other team to usurp them. Um, and the Mavs are even further behind than that, plus eleven hundred. So if you wanted to take flyers on the Mavs and the Sixers and just say, hey, they'll figure it out and get play out of their superstar play, and the schedule hopefully gets easier, and they're going to ride this thing out to the end, um, go ahead. I just I can't recommend it. I can't give it out. I just you know I just think that they're they're going to win. The division um and then the only other one right now that's even still open is the box bucks and the calves we didn't give anything out on this earlier because we were just i was sure that the bucks were going to win calves are only a game and a half back of the bucks right now uh and the bucks are minus 225 so i don't usually like minus 200 picks but if you wanted to go with the bucks at minus 225 or the Cavs at plus 160. Obviously, you like the plus money, but uh, you could do either and be fine with it. So um, I wouldn't do both, obviously, because it'd be definitely a wash, especially if the Bucks don't win. But you could bet on the Cavs and then bet enough on the Bucks to cover your Cavs bet. But I, basically, you would just be, you would just, you would come out and break even. You wouldn't win anything. It wouldn't be worth it. Um, so you'd probably want to pick one or the other. And I, you don't want to bet against Giannis. They're getting healthier. And, you know, as the road gets down, Coach Bud is going to have them playing at a high level heading into the playoffs. So I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that one either. So that's division winners. <clears throat> I think we'll save the conference champs for next week uh, and do that as part of with the MVP conversation um but i will have you think about it for a bit right we gave out the bucks the sixers and the heat at the beginning of the year along with the warriors and the nuggets for the west now i can probably say that the heat are toast pretty confidently right those were kind of our long shot pick um but the rest of those teams the bucks Sixers, Warriors, Nuggets, very much alive. And by next week, you know, we'll, we'll kind of dial in which ones we feel most confident about. Um, but with that being said, that pretty much does it for this episode. I was glad to get it done. I'm um, glad to speak with you guys. Hope you guys are all enjoying this first glorious month of the year, January. Um, hope your New Year's resolutions are going well. And, uh, you know, until next time, bye-bye.